Welcome to the Disruptor Series podcast, where we listen to and learn from the people who are disrupting business, culture, and life. Welcome to the Disruptor Series podcast today. I am coming to you live with Jerron Smith. Jerron is the CEO of Unanimous Media, a company he co-founded with business partner Stephen Curry to develop and produce film and digital content. Smith is a seasoned leader and disruptor in brand management, overseeing Curry's holistic brand strategy and partnership portfolio. Prior to teaming up with Curry, Smith worked at the White House Office of Digital Strategy under President Obama and as a brand marketing strategic lead across several categories and territories at Nike. And in 2015, Smith was recognized on Forbes' 30 under 30 list for marketing and advertising. Give it up for Jerron Smith. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for stopping by the Disruptor Series today. I'm excited to speak today. Um, it's a pleasure to have you here in New York in the middle of the NBA playoffs. So uh, the fact that you could escape Oakland uh, is good timing for us. Uh, in my last life, I uh, worked with Magic Johnson as the head of uh, his business development Indeed. team. So it's uh, he was already retired at the time. So I always imagine what it's like when they're actually playing and active. And, right. You know, like right. the play is still in progress. Um, by the time him and I connected, you know, he had already been well established and, and, and kind of uh, his brand was mature and had its its pillars but today's athletes are really media companies yeah. um, where he was more focused on retail and uh, real estate so so tell me a little bit about what you do maybe yeah. a day in the life day in the life so uh give the audience really an understanding of of you know how your day looks working with steph and, and all the projects you have yeah most people think you know your days are super cool and interesting and <laughs> but oddly enough you know you're spending a lot of time meeting with lawyers uh, just having uh, a series of, of meetings on a myriad of things. And then, you know, every once in a while, there's some, like, really cool stuff to yeah. to do or to talk about. But that's my attempt to not give you the every day is different uh, answer that you, yeah. you hear you hear pretty often. But, no, ultimately, I drive the strategy for, mm -hmm. for unanimous media. And uh, that's across a, a, a few verticals, film, television, digital, experiential, um, as well as a, a new footprint we'll be chatting about soon. Mm -hmm. And really kind of overseeing the, hopefully, the viability of that venture. Yeah. So how long ago did that start? So tell me about, is, is the name because he was the unanimous MVP or how did that come to fruition? You know, that's a great question. Um Unanimous is somewhat of a double entendre. So there is, you know, a play on the fact that he was the unanimous MVP, which is pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. uh, just a testament to what he's done on the court and the way he's revolutionized the game. But uh, my partner, Eric Payton, actually came up with the name. And the thinking behind it is that, you know, Stefan puts a lot of trust in his team and really empowers us to really act on um, his behalf in, in instances. And because you know, he's put such a great team around him with uh, with expertise. The thought is that we try to make decisions unanimously. Mm -hmm. And that's how we've approached oh, our, our business structure is, hey, we, we, we bring everything to the table. There's nothing we do that Stefan does not see. And um, we, we kind of decide on these things together and move forward. I think that's a huge part of it. Uh, people want to feel that everybody's all in and that the vote is unanimous. Absolutely. So I think, uh, particularly when athletes, I, I feel they have a different lens that people look at them under. Is this a serious project? Is it real? Um, so that's, that's a great name. For sure. Uh, so how long have you been there? I'm in my, going in my third year. 
with with Stefan. But unanimous, we ended up in our deal with Sony last May. So we've been with Sony for a year. But uh, we were established about six to nine months before that. Mm-hmm. And um, so unanimous has been going. I started with Stefan um, in the CMO role right after my tenure at the White House. Got it. So what is some of the content uh, that you're putting out? So uh, you have uh, is the Facebook watch commercial that's on during every commercial break. Is that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is that, so that's, that fall a, under you? that's a unanimous <laughs> project. That one is, uh, is pretty unique for us. Most of the projects unanimous executes. Uh, Stefan acts as a collaborator, someone who uh, weighs in on creative, executive production, etc. On this project specifically, Stefan's in front of the camera. Mm-hmm. He's, it's a very, very intimate view and look at his life. And um, when we established Unanimous, the goal wasn't for Stefan to necessarily be in front of the camera. I think, obviously, this one's a little bit more unique because we started Unanimous as a platform, as a company whose goal was to inspire and empower and to drive impact. And that's definitely being done through the Facebook Watch series as people have been able to get a look at how Stefan lives his life. We think we know it's a, it's a vehicle to drive, you know, inspiration. Then became the, the Facebook piece. Yeah. And Facebook Watch obviously has a very... Uh, a huge community, if you will. And Stefan has been very active on the platform for the majority of his career. And it was just a foregone conclusion to do a series like this with Facebook to continue to um, engage and um, kind of feed that that ecosystem on Facebook. So you picked the platform because he uses the platform. So that was kind of the authentic extension. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, as when when Facebook launched Facebook Watch, it just became a, a natural extension of our already existing partnership with Facebook. Uh, Stefan has raised money on the platform for nothing but nets for for Nia Wilson. Nia, Nia Wilson's uh, was a uh, was an Oakland resident that was murdered you know, at a BART station. Mm. And uh, Facebook has philanthropic tools that allow you to kind of tap in, help raise money for causes that are important to you. So we've worked with Facebook on the philanthropic side. We work with Facebook, you know, in the Facebook groups. We've obviously driven a ton of content on the platform. This has just been an extension of our already existing partnership, and it just made a lot of sense for us to, to do a series like this on the Facebook Watch platform. Yeah. So how is that series doing? It's doing really well. It's performing really well. The feedback has been pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. And we're going into episode four. Mm-hmm. There is a total of six. And uh, we're looking forward to continuing to tell this story. Now, when you do storytelling on Facebook, is it pretty much no parameters? So the episode could be 12 minutes or 20 minutes. And then do they dictate how many are episodic? Or do you say, you know, this is how we do it? How does that kind of work with telling the story? It's a little bit of both. You try to structure it as much as possible. But when... The nature of a, of a project like this, there are going to be things that transpire during the course of telling the story that sometimes alter and change the way an episode mm-hmm. will come to life. So, you know, you try to keep it within a certain kind of runtime. And, you know, we obviously know how many episodes will come out. We know how the series will be structured. But there's that flexibility to make sure we're able to tell a holistic and complete story based on things that are kind of happening during during the course of, of our shooting, if you will. Mm-hmm. Now, we don't have to get into the economics of it, oh, but yeah. uh, for Facebook Watch, is it a combination of compensation plus views? Or I've never spoken to anyone who's done a yeah. Facebook Watch deal and whatever you're comfortable talking about, but do the views kind of count into it as eyeballs against the viewership? Or 
you know, it's a healthy partnership. Yeah. Okay. It's, we'll it's just healthy. Okay, and yeah. um, <laughs> I think in the in the spirit of partnership, you know, you want to make sure everybody uh, accomplishes their their objectives, and ultimately, as with you know, the majority of our partnerships, really all of our partnerships, but specifically speaking towards Facebook, you know, Facebook has been really happy with the partnership. We've been really happy with the partnership. Yep. And and everybody feels good. Yeah, no, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> well, part of it is, isn't it uh, getting something as part of culture? So is working with Facebook or telling a story on that platform really helps embed it in the overall culture? Uh, how hard is it when you launch a project? Do you look at, will it come into be culturally relevant or do you just say the story needs to be told so even if it's not a big hit and even if it's not part of culture we want to kind of dive in and make sure this story is told under our lens do you balance that yeah i mean authenticity is is paramount right mm -hmm. so if the story is authentic to who stefan is and what he represents we feel like it'll resonate with his audience Got it. and he has a massive platform and a massive audience so less about cultural relevance and and more about authenticity yeah now we're just going to switch gears a little bit okay, get into you good. So you're from Chino Hills. That's correct. <laughs> the home of the Ball family. Is that what? No, I think yeah. it's your home. You, yeah, you were probably is. there first. It is. It is. You know, they, um, <laughs> you know, I'm appreciative because they helped give Chino Hills a bit of a name. You know, I'd like to take a little bit of credit, but I can't. You know, the Ball brothers have done an amazing <laughs> job being ambassadors for Chino Hills, California. <laughs> That's true. So how did you uh, get started uh, on your journey? Did you go to school in L.A. and then yeah. knew you wanted to go into marketing? or? Yeah, so so I grew up in Chino Hills. I went to a high school called Ayala, and then I, I transferred to a high school called uh, Diamond Bar. Um, that's uh, where Keith Van Horn went to school. It's like mm. the, Alex Morgan, too. She played soccer there. So went to went to UCLA. I always, you know, tell the story. I mean, my sophomore year, going into my junior year, I left my sophomore year about 5'3", left my senior year 6'4", right? Yeah. So, um, coming in strong. Yeah, coming in yeah, strong. Yeah. Um, wanted to play basketball, but ended up just going to school at UCLA and trying to kind of figure it out. They, uh, they got a new coach when I got there, so it didn't quite work out the way I saw it working mm. out. So did you walk on or? Well, that was the, that was the intent, right? Um, I was decently recruited coming out of high school, yeah. but once you go from five, three to six, four, yeah, the game you think changes. you're really, you think you're really, really good. So yeah. I thought I was really, really good at yeah. that point. Yeah. Right. Once you're six, four, yeah. people are like, Oh, he, yeah. You know how people will say, they'll go, <laughs> they'll say, uh, you know, you might be five, five. You're like, man, I was six, five. Like, I'd be in the NBA right now. So I yeah. used to say those things, and then it really actually <laughs> happened to me. And then I was like, oh, shoot. Like, okay, what do I, what do, I do with this? Everybody says that it's 5'5". Yeah. yeah. If the league was under six feet, though? Yeah, 100%. 100%. Mean, you know, I'd be you know, the best at ever did. There we go. There we go. <laughs> so there was a school, University of Pennsylvania. They were recruiting me in high school, and the coach at University of Pennsylvania First, he was like, hey, are you still interested in coming to University of Pennsylvania? I was like, hey, absolutely. Like, I always had a good relationship with this coach. His name is Gil Jackson. And as we're talking about UPenn, he's like, hey, you know, I'm probably going to get a head coaching job. Would you come with me to start my program? And I was like, like, well, one, where are you, where are you going? But, yeah, mm -hmm. 100%. You know, yeah. you, you, we've, we've had a relationship for years, for sure. And uh, he told me a few of the schools that were possibilities and then he ends up getting the job at Howard University <laughs> and I think they were five and 26 before uh, yeah, I was yeah. like hey Gilman I appreciate you know the relationship and I, I wish you the best of luck there man you know and yeah. he was like 
because I wasn't, I don't think I was, you know, I had, I guess, more ambitious dreams. Um, they don't even make the tournament. Does Howard make the NCAA tournament? You know, every once not in a while. necessarily, yeah. not not too often. Depends, <laughs> Depends on the roster. So it's funny. The real story is, <laughs> I was uh, I used to stay at UCLA over the summer to work out. So yeah. I was working in the, I used to work in the dorms. So you know, you have room and board, or whatever, and I could just stay and work out all all summer because um, I had very ambitious hoop dreams, mm-hmm. and. We used to have this shift from 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. And I'm working the 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. shift with a friend of mine named Marvin. And, you know, Howard's offered me a full athletic scholarship. And he's like, um, I was like, hey, man, this is what happened, you know, but I'm not going to go. He's like, he said, hey, Jerron, what, what time is it over there? I was like, uh, it's like 3.30 a.m. He was like, exactly. Like, he was like, what are you doing? He was like, what are you doing? He was like, you need to get on that plane and go to D.C. And I was like, you know what? He's he's right. So uh, he's like, why are you out here in L.A. chasing these hoop dreams? So I'm like, so I took the, took the scholarship. I went to Howard. Had never been to D.C. before. Had never been to Howard University before. And um, I land on campus, and it's mm-hmm. like it's the polar opposite of UCLA. But um, it was a transformative experience for me, and it um, I'm thankful for that experience at Howard to this day. Yeah, my dad went to Howard, and uh, when I wanted to go there, he was like, well, maybe you should go somewhere else. And I was like, why, Dad? He's like, well, I didn't have a choice. <laughs> you know, he was like, we only had, like, 10 schools we could go yeah, to. Right, He's right. like, you have every choice. He's yeah. Like, you know, try somewhere else and go around. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but it's so different how different campuses are. No, it's real. And how that defines you because, you know, it's your environment. No, for sure. It, uh... <laughs> It was responsible for a huge evolution and shift in the way I thought, the way I operated, the way I, I navigated yeah. things, and um, I'm really thankful for that experience. You know, do you find that it was good to have the duality of white America yeah, and yeah. black America, but both America, but just really two apertures to see reality through? Yeah, the duality was, it was super interesting. Yeah. It's pretty crazy because at Howard, you don't even know there are that many different types of black people, right? right? Like, you know, you had your kind of West Indies, you had, then there was like the different kind of groups of Africans or kind of like the North Africans, the West Africans, which kind of completely different. Mm -hmm. Then there's the people from all over the U.S. And Mm -hmm. and then we even had, you know, decent contingent of of white students as well. It was like, it was the most interesting thing ever. Yeah, people think that, people don't understand that the hundred different types of black people. Yeah, no, there's... You know, it's just, uh, it's like monolithic thought when when it comes in America a lot of times. (laughs) The assumption is that there's not hundreds of different... For sure, for uh, sure. You know, communities around the world, and even in America. No, absolutely. uh, (laughs) Absolutely. That's an amazing experience. So you graduated from Howard. I did. I graduated from Howard University. And then that led you into working at Nike. Kind of. So... I mean, I'll give you the real story. Yeah. So my sophomore year at Howard, um, I met a swimmer named Carol Gant. Mm-hmm. And Carol tells me about an internship at Nike. And I'm like, that's interesting. I'll apply. But I didn't take it seriously. Mm-hmm. Not as seriously as I should have. At the time that I got, when I got to Howard, in my head, I said, man, you know, I'm an athlete that performs well 
in the classroom. So it'll, when you got to Howard, yeah. you gave up the hoop dreams. Is that you did no, not no. play basketball or you were playing basketball? No, I was, on, I was full athletic scholarship okay, at Howard. Okay. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm a smart athlete. Like I'm you sure. Know, why wouldn't Nike? <laughs> why wouldn't Nike take me? I'm an yeah. athlete. I have good grades. I'm a Division one athlete. It like, sounds cool. like on yeah. paper, it's, yeah, a, it's a hit. We're good to go. But then they take it as seriously as I should. You know, go through the phone screen. Doesn't really work out. And I'm like, whatever. I stay. I'll stay in DC. I'll work out all over summer and get ready for next season. But Carol goes and interns, and that's when Facebook was like the platform. And she's like posting all of her stuff on Facebook. Mm-hmm. She's got all the cool Air Force runs, and you know, and on the in the camp on the campus, there's like this lake, and it's like the sun is gleaming off the lake. I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> Nike campus looks like Disneyland. It's like, it looks amazing. And I'm having major FOMO, right? And um, when she gets back, I had to humble myself and come and ask her. I said, you know, would you mind helping me <laughs> prepare for for next year's internship? Yeah. And it's funny because when you ask somebody a question like that, you kind of have to listen to all of their advice. Like, I yeah. just needed a little bit, but then she, like, sent me through the gauntlet, yeah. like, you need to do this, you need to do that. I was like, oh, okay. No, that's that's enough. I got it. I got yeah. it. But I had to, like, you know, go through the whole, you know, job preparation training course. <laughs> yeah, like, it's real humbling yeah, to, yeah, I was like, to okay. ask another student how they, how they got their internship. It's uh, 100%. Yeah. It was a necessary <laughs> process, though. So I prepared, and I prepared well. Yeah. Um, and I ended up getting the internship, and I got offered. I actually ended up being offered two roles, one in Oregon and one in Chicago. I ended up taking the Chicago role, uh, working in brand marketing. And I go to Chicago my junior year, and I'm in Chicago. And, you know, I'm working on with the Chicago Sky, with the Chicago Bulls, Summer League. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, there's no way they pay people to do this stuff. Yeah, like, no, it's amazing. I'm like, this is incredible. Yeah. Like, this is absolutely incredible. Like, this is stuff I would have probably done for free, you know? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, at that point, I was like, okay, this Nike thing is pretty interesting. Yeah, I had, a, I had an excellent internship experience. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. It's uh, it, it's funny because we may not know all the great jobs, you yeah. know, growing up that people can have. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. Feel like they, we get told the, you know, the other okay jobs, but the really great jobs, you know, it's surprise. You, you can't even believe it. It's phenomenal. It's funny in that office there were two kind of main departments. There was marketing and sales in that Chicago office. Mm-hmm. And I was working in marketing, but I got, you know, as an intern, you get to experience all kind of the different sides of the business. And I remember one guy broke it down to me. He's like, hey, you know, you know, it's a sales guy. He goes, you know, sales makes the money and marketing spends it. Mm-hmm. I was like, I think I want to be a marketer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the makers and the takers. <laughs> it was pretty, it's pretty funny. Yeah. So you go back to school and then uh, you, you rock the internship, kill it, go back to school and then you graduation comes. Yeah. So, I mean, one of the funniest stories and, you know, my friends still make fun of me about this to this day, but it's, I had an excellent internship experience and uh, I made a, some really great relationships and, you know, they're talking to me about, you know, the possibility of working there longer term Mm -hmm. after I graduate and wanted to really help me with that process. And I was like, you know, I worked out really hard that summer. I'm like, hey, I'm going to kill it my senior season and I'm Mm -hmm. go to the NBA. They were like, "Uh, okay there, buddy. Um, (laughs) You know, follow your dreams kind of thing. And uh, after I graduated, even before I graduated, I knew kind of almost going through that last season, mm-hmm. I knew I wanted to work at, at, at Nike. I knew there was like no job like that. And I was super passionate about being at that company. But it's difficult. I ended up going to grad school. 
Actually, if we want to back up a second, I actually moved to Winston-Salem for a second to pl- try to play for this ABA team called the Winston-Salem Storm. My sister mm-hmm. was going to med school in uh, Winston-Salem at the time, so I moved down there. And I'm like, okay, you know, these hoop dreams, that was when I was ready to give them up. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. hoop dreams aren't really for me. Because you're thinking you're going to blow everybody out in the league. I mean, did you go down there and go, okay, now if this is the ABA Winston-Salem, I'm coming in hot. Yeah, you know, the interesting thing for all the basketball players out there is once you leave that platform that is Division I college athletics, mm-hmm. you enter a pool of an endless amount of basketball players all <laughs> with the same dream, right? And you'll, you won't have that same platform that college basketball provides anymore, right? right. Where you have TV games, you have scouts at your games. So oh. I'm not deterring anybody from their hoop dreams, but if you didn't execute on your vision and on your dream during your college basketball career, the platform... Right. Won't won't be what it yeah. was. So Yeah. So yeah, I go to grad school, go to Georgetown. And while I was at Georgetown, I had the opportunity to work with so many sports organizations, you mm-hmm. know, Washington Redskins, DC United on the MLS side, um, Washington Wizards, et cetera, and got to experience team sports, which I thought I might have some interest in. Mm-hmm. Uh still Nike yeah, was, that was, was 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 the goal. And at the end of my Georgetown program, we have to write a master's thesis. And I am trying to decide, am I going to really write this thing and take it seriously or am I going to try to just get through it? Yeah. And I decided to really write it. And it ended up getting published in the International Journal of Mobile Marketing. For me, it was really big. Like that was like a definitely a key turning point where I'm like, mm-hmm. wow, this is like, this is pretty, this is pretty big for me. And a lot of companies started reaching out to me about my, my research. And I was like, hey, where, where are you seeing this? I didn't even know it had gotten published. Like, they didn't even tell me they, they published it. Mm-hmm. I just submitted it and it ended up, it ended up <laughs> being published. They were, like, charging nine ninety nine for it, too. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I get a royalty? You know, like, what's going on? But um, It's in the disclaimer. Yeah, no, seriously. <laughs> you, own, <laughs> yeah. you own the thesis. Yeah, no, for, for sure. But it was good. And that told me that my, my way of distinguishing myself, my way of potentially getting into – you know, Nike as an organization might be through digital strategy, right? Yeah. Uh, I opened up my thesis with, you know, uh, the digital tsunami is on its way. Why aren't companies getting wet? Mm-hmm. And uh, the whole the whole deal was great. about the yeah, it was about the advent of social media. It's validation too. So I mean, you Absolutely. really know that all this work that you put in it must feel great too. No, especially for when sure. you made a decision to say, okay, I can either just get through it and get out of here, or I'm really gonna double down on it. Absolutely accurate and. There were no Nike offices in D.C. except for the government relations office. And it's funny because I was just looking for a way in. So I used to call the government relations office all the time, like, hey, I'll be the receptionist. I don't care, like, whatever yeah. I have to do. And they're like, uh, it's not really what we do here, uh-huh. you know. Um, so I applied for probably over 50 jobs before I got my first phone screen at Nike, mm-hmm. right? It was just like, you know, my mom used to always talk about persistency, <laughs> But there's probably a more strategic way to be persistent. Yeah. But I was learning my way through this, mm-hmm. you know. That's where the— my whole moniker, Be Hungry Not Thirsty, comes from. Mm, that's a great moniker. Be Hungry Not Thirsty. Yeah. No one ever wants to feed the thirsty. Yeah. <laughs> it's, but you want to feed Yeah, that's right. That came from yeah. probably being too persistent, right? Yeah. You know, everybody used to tell me to network, be persistent, you know, you don't take no for an answer. Yep. And that's where I started, like, trying that, right? Just making the phone calls, the emails, the follow-ups. Mm. Hey, can we go get coffee? It's like, no. Okay, then what? You know? Yeah. And um, you can definitely be overly persistent. Yeah. And that's where the thirsty comes from. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can be hungry, like, really want this, 
then add some strategy to that versus being thirsty and it's just like yeah because we know yeah, that yeah, yeah. And, and you have to be creative not annoying for sure you know because you, people do have an expiration date with how long they can hear from the same and you know them they become characters you're like oh this this person contacted me again you know it's consistent as the wheel you know it's thursday here's the inbox here's the email but it, you know college is humbling and uh you know i wanted to play college football and then yeah. uh for walk-on yeah and then when i was done the coach pulled me aside and was like i think you should be a cheerleader you know and i i didn't even know how to react to yeah. that because that was the most cold-blooded assassin thing any football coach could say to somebody yeah. But then I ended up being one. <laughs> so you ended up cheering at school? Yeah, Where'd yeah. Where'd you cheer at? Syracuse. I was a competitive cheerleader. Like, I would do the ESPN contest and throw people up and stuff. Okay, so but let me just is, get this straight. So yeah, let's yeah. take this, let's derail real, really quick. Yeah. I'm really interested in this. So you went to play football. Yeah, walk You wanted on. to play football, yeah. walk on a football yeah. team. And you ended up being a cheerleader, like throwing the cheer squad up in the air, catching them. Yeah. Doing the whole deal. And then you were competitive at this, so you were really good. Yeah, I was like, you know, so if you want to be a competitive cheerleader, you have to be able to hold a girl by the waist yes. and catch her above your head in one hand. Wow. So that's called an awesome or a cupie. So if, if you can't do an awesome or a cupie, it has two names in different yeah. regions, but it's the same. So you I have can't one big question on yeah. this. How did this kind of inform your character, your personality, the way you look at things? How did that experience kind of inform things for you? What's interesting is it's a world run by 97% women. Okay. So right here, you're in football. It's all men. Yeah. Testosterone, I'll kill you. I'll choke yeah. you. I'll tag you. <laughs> Doubles, triples, fight through it. And then cheerleading is very, you know, you still have to work out and yeah. do everything, but it's a world that you're now going into as a man that's 97% women. Yeah. So it makes you look at everything through the eyes of a woman, uh, how they feel, you know, how wow. it is being you know, tossed up in the air, the trust that they have to give yeah. their male partner. So you look at everything in a completely different way. Wow. It's um, like we could all benefit from an experience yeah, like that. It, it, it was it, life-changing because I have so much empathy and understanding because you spent four years around women. Dude, that's amazing. So it that's really did cool. help me inform. And uh, also it was performance art, so you know that, you know, don't drop them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Teamwork is so important. Like, unlike hoops, if you, like, mess, miss the shot. yeah. But if you drop somebody on the basketball court, there's no pads or anything. So, you know, you really have to – it's a lot of – I need a building. YouTube link thing. Yeah. I need a YouTube link of one of your competitions. Oh, do you need – Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I need that. Absolutely. It's going to – it's happening. Okay. It's coming through. So, sounds uh, good. So we, we get out, we get out <laughs> of college. <laughs> now we're back at night. I think, no, Nike, though, just coming mm -hmm. back from that angle is almost – the hoop dreams of college marketing people. Oh, for sure. People go, I want to work for Oh, uh, man. Or Apple. You know, oh, everybody really, there's two companies that, you know, maybe now it's Instagram or Facebook, but when I was coming up, it was Apple or Nike. You it's know, a real was, thing. I mean, really the two that. Um, rightfully so, though. Nike, rightfully so, Nike yeah. is the most mm. incredible place ever, and it's, a, it's an amazing place to work. But that's, so that's why I moved to New York. So yeah. the D.C. thing wasn't going to work out because there was just no Nike office, marketing office in D.C. So then I need a reason to move to New York. Mm -hmm. And I know there's something to this digital strategy thing. So I go to Columbia University, 
And uh, you're racking up the yeah, student good. loans here. Oh, bro. No, your student loan dude, game is serious. It's dude. too bad you didn't go to Morehouse this year. That was your dude. way out. <laughs> I know, seriously, man. <laughs> you picked the wrong black college, dude. That, no, was, that was amazing. amazing. It was amazing. I think he really changed the game for commencement speakers because <laughs> now you can't be Bill Gates walking into you know a Delphi University and then be like, "Thank you." Everybody's <laughs> yeah. gonna be like, "Boo!" When you I got saw more that, money than him. Come on, dude. You talk about inspiring. I'm like, man, if I ever. It's so legend. You know, you can't even. that would be amazing to do because yeah. you just know student loans suck, man. It's like, a home mortgage. Dude, they're the worst, the worst thing ever. Mm-hmm. Man, Sally me. But yeah. yeah. So yeah, I'm racking them up, man. And it's getting real. But you're going back for more because you still have the vision. You're still going to get where you got to go. So I always say this. Yeah. As many, it was cool that I didn't have to do like the undergrad student loans. I had some, I had an academic scholarship when I was at UCLA mm-hmm. and then at Howard, I was on a full athletic scholarship. So it's cool. I didn't have to do the undergrad thing, but between Georgetown and Columbia, like I'm, I'm really racking them up. And ultimately I say this, they say, you know, you choose a job you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Mm-hmm. If you're able to pay your student loans, like, and you're working in the in a in a job that you love, like, man, yeah, it's a hundred times worth it, man. Like, yeah. it's like you know, I, I take those student loans every day of the week. Now, if you're not, those student loans are gonna you're gonna really hate yeah. them every month. And I still hated them, but like, whether that helped lead me to Nike or not, or wh- however you digest that, it was an amazing. It was all worth it. But yeah, I go to Columbia to be in New York to try to get mm-hmm. this Nike thing done. And I'm kind of working as a contractor through the agencies, doing Nike ID stuff and doing a little bit of everything, just trying to inch my way closer and closer and closer. Mm-hmm. And it finally works out. I end up in a in a role called uh, Eakin, which is Nike spelled backwards. Mm-hmm. And you're like, part of your job is to know Nike forward and backwards, but you're kind of like a product tech rep. Mm-hmm. And just uh, like a dream, though you, you you're there. I, I'm be real with you. I would have mopped the floors, like yeah. to be in that office. I'm telling you, like when I got you call it the black badge, which is like your official, your official employee. When I got my black badge and I scanned in the office for the first time. I don't care, you know. There's probably a lot of people that are just like whatever. Like it got me every time. I'm like, yo, I made it to the big show. Like I made it to the big show. I sat on the sidelines for so long, like for so long, mm-hmm. wanting to be on the inside. And when you finally get on the inside, man, it was like one of the most you know satisfying experiences ever but yeah so the Eakin role which is like you know they always say Phil Knight was the first Eakin but in your interview you're required to teach your your panel something mm-hmm. and I kind of I taught them how to solve a Rubik's Cube that's why I look at the Rubik's Cube as the gift that keeps on giving right and yeah I didn't have a Rubik's Cube for you I heard your Rubik's Cube game is tight yeah, yeah it's good it's good it's good it's not it's not phenomenal though so there's a is there's, it like a secret society going on there is this? like a speed cubing society there's speed cubing competitions but you have to one, you have to have a speed cube. Uh, and, oh, it's and, a different style of cube. Yeah, it, it moves faster. It yeah. moves really quickly, and it's like... And uh, I don't know what the record is now. I know when I was like really it's into speed now. cubing... Like seconds. Uh, is it? So it was like 20, 23, or something like that when I was like into it, but I don't know what it is now. It's amazing. Well, you know, now people just sit at home all day and try to like take a second off the time. It's so. amazing, man. Yeah. And I used to practice a lot, like, you know, looking just for new strategies and new and, and different things, and mm-hmm. sometimes you get a little rusty but no i always I always have a rubes keep around oh that's fresh yeah. okay so now you're at nike you you're there for several years you're moving yeah. up the food chain you're doing yeah. what you got to do and then how did you make the transition from nike to the white house how did that transpire yeah so because if you thought it was crazy scanning into nike i mean <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> pennsylvania Ave badge gotta be <laughs> you know it was an incredible transition mm-hmm. the white house they were uh kind of bringing in some 
some private sector talent to look at government strategy differently. And one of the people they were interested in bringing in was, you know, I know her really well. And she was getting her MBA at Columbia at the time. And she she gave them my name. Mm -hmm. And when I chatted with them, you know, it was interesting. You know, one, obviously, prolific administration. But uh, understanding the mission and vision of, you know, how the Office of Digital Strategy at the White House was using digital to what we call meet the people where they are, right? Mm -hmm. And I was really into the mission of the office. But it's government, and I Mm -hmm. was building a career elsewhere. Mm -hmm. And um, that was a complete deviation. And not only are you not compensated extremely well in government, or Mm -hmm. I would say in 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 the White House, but also, you're you're going to lose your job at the administration, yeah, right? There's a yeah. there's an end date to this, right? <laughs> yeah. So there 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 is some uh, maybe risk in yeah. in in it, in it. So it's risky. Yeah, there was a lot to think about. You yeah. know, I, I'm in my dream job. I'm, I think I'm a lifer, and to deviate like that for something that has a real expiration date was an interesting decision to make. But um, I always tell the story about going to the White House to interview. And, you know, I had five interviews that day. And I think the third or fourth one, there was a woman by the name of Ashley Allison. She looks at me and she goes, you know, if you get this job, are you going to take it? And I was like, you know, I, I don't know. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, you know I, I want to, but, you know, there's, there's some things the way. She's like, no, this is the most prolific administration in the history of the United States. You will regret it for the rest of your life if you do not take this job. And I was like, mm-hmm. whoo. I was like, it hit me hard. It hit me hard. I mean, that's a sales pitch. Yeah, yo, it, it hit me super hard. And I was like, okay, one, this is bigger than me. Yeah. And I knew it was bigger than me. And looking back at it, like when I when I consider how you're compensated and some different things like that, I mean, I would have paid for that experience. You know what I mean? There, it changes your whole life. People talk about it your whole life. Completely you know, transformative. Uh, beside the people you meet, it's just from an identity standpoint. It's, it's you incredible. Know, it's absolutely incredible we may never see a president like that that was so intertwined with the community and so in touch with everything you talk about mission and mission driven you know people would have ran through a brick wall for president obama Mm -hmm. you know me included like you just so aligned with a vision you just wanted to add to the effectiveness and the success of the administration so yeah so that's uh so you you joined uh the the obama administration yeah it's the secret society and tell me about your first day there um so how's interesting i do the background check they do all this so now you agree to the job and they do all the yeah it's called a sf86 you go through six months of background checks and as a part of that process the fbi reaches out to all these people that that know you but it's like that network of people they reach out to gets bigger and bigger and I started to have people call me. They don't tell the people they're reaching out to you that the people they're reaching out to that know you why they're reaching out. Got this, it. They let them know who they are yep. and that they need to meet in person. Like, this is the FBI and this is what the situation is. And I had I had several friends call me. They're like, hey, Jerron, like, hey, the FBI uh, called me, man, but don't worry, man. I got you. Like, I'm like, what do you mean got me? What, what are you talking about? Like... <laughs> I'm like one. I'm not in trouble. Two. What do you mean? What do you? What would you? What would you even not tell them? I you got know? you. I was like, tell them. Like, tell them what they want to know. I was like, yeah, hey, I got your back. Like, whatever. Yeah. Whatever the reason I'm I'm like, yeah. They. Everybody's thinking I'm, like, you know, the FBI's and they're the calling each other. Going, hey, did you? Did you check his feed? <laughs> 
Do you, have, when was the last time you spoke to him? No, this real. is uh, so real. Yeah, that's great. So then they, uh, you pass the test, and then you go to work, and uh, that had to be surreal, right? It's, it's uh, incredibly surreal. You step onto you know the White House grounds, mm-hmm. and you're a part of something so much bigger than yourself. And the thing I'll always say about the White House, the reason it made it probably the hardest job by far that I've ever had is that it required perfection. Mm. There were no room for mm-hmm. mistakes, like, at all. And you, just based on the culture there, you for sure didn't want to be the person that made a mistake. Mm-hmm. Even furthermore, there was so much intellectual capital at the White House. I was working with the smartest people I've ever been around, which was pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. And it makes you elevate your game to ensure you are being successful and being effective. But it was an experience like no other, for mm-hmm. sure. How does it relate to sports uh, with the high of it, of... uh you know, having to work hard. I mean, you have to read a little more. You got to look a little harder. You got to type a little longer, you know. The biggest thing about sports is, you know, anyone that's played, that's played sports kind of knows this experience, right? You're you're in practice mm-hmm. and you have a coach and you're doing conditioning drills. Mm-hmm. And let's say in basketball, you're running suicides or 17s. Coach goes, this is the last one. I want you guys to go as hard as you can. This is your last one. Mm-hmm. And... You, you you go all out on that last one. You had already been conditioning, mm-hmm. you know, for, for however long. And then, then you're going, you know, then it's this this last conditioning drill. And he's, you know, the coach tells you, if you got to go all out, we're done, right? And everybody goes all out. And then, you know, coach is just making it up. Oh, you didn't go hard enough. One more, right? And you have to do that one more and still make the time. Mm-hmm. You don't know what you're capable of in, in being able to push through that wall where you're like, I am done. I've, I'm spent. I have, no, I have nothing else, nothing left in me. And you still have to do one more. And then you realize you can do that one more. Mm-hmm. And I always say that's what sports teaches you, right? And in an administration like the White House, really any job, but when, you, when, you're, looking at the, when you're looking at the White House, you know, and some of those really long nights, maybe sleepless nights, trying to perform at that that level of perfection in the midst of fatigue. I think that's where those those experiences rooted in sport and, and team really come and shine through and help build the character you need to, to be successful. That's that's deep. <laughs> um, so you're at the White House and uh, that's that's a ama- you know, it is we don't know how hard far we can push ourselves yeah, for sure. I mean, at the end of the day for sure. um i would have never thought i could hold somebody above my head in one hand i 100%. mean i'm just saying you, but, you know, it, it's ridiculous no how, it's it's real until you do it enough and, times and then anything in life when you're like oh i don't you you just know you can always do mm-hmm. one more you just know so now the time at the white house is wrapping up yeah. and then how do you transition over to um working with steph or Starting yeah. the company together. So one of Stefan's closest friends played with him at Davidson. We were we worked together at, at Nike. Mm-hmm. And he kind of gives me a heads up on what Stefan is looking to do and trying to do. And that's what kind of sparked the conversations. And I always say I went I went through the, the Curry family gauntlet. Mm-hmm. But it was good. You know, Stefan has a close and tight-knit community around him of just really, really good people. So the, I would just say the vetting process was extensive. And, it has uh, to be, though. It, yeah, you, you don't know. I mean, it's no FBI, but it's basically like social FBI. Yeah, that's the weird thing. I was like, man, I've been vetted by the United States government. <laughs> You're like, of anybody yeah, that's yeah, in this yeah. process, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be all right. I'll yeah, be all right. Yeah. I got to get some benefit of the doubt yeah, in here. Yeah, no, it was good, though. It was good. But it ended up working out. And uh, 
I started working with Stefan as the CMO of SE30 and just building, you know, strategy, business brand strategy, and really kind of just evolving the mm-hmm. portfolio, trying to bring on new partners and do some different things. And some people will say, oh, yeah, you're building Stefan's brand. And I'm like, that is probably one of the biggest misnomers, right? Number one, I would say that Stefan hates the word brand, right? Mm-hmm. Stefan always is like, I am who I am, you know. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Don't say brand, right? Mm-hmm. I'm like, yes, you're right, but... Brand is the digestible word. Um, I think number two is Stefan's had a brand, right? I think growing, developing, et cetera, like cool. But as far as building, Stefan has, one, he's an incredible human being. And I hate, this is not a Stefan advertisement. Like this guy really is just who he is. And it's, it's hard for me not to talk about him this way just because mm-hmm. he's he's an amazing individual. But um, but yeah, he's and he's he's changed the game. So the, the brand... The brand was built, and then um, I think I came in to kind of help it grow and develop that. Yeah, it's uh, you know, when I work with Magic Johnson, he was he was so influential on everything I did because yeah. I could not talk about him because yeah. people <laughs> like, but I'm like, the guy is unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, we'd be on the private jet, and he would go, you know what? I want to go support black-owned businesses, so instead of getting the food from the airport, I'm gonna go to the local business owner. You know, awesome. And I'm sitting here going, these things, no, it's too unbelievable for people to realize that in their real life, yeah, when they're just moving around like executives or people or, you know, community and family and religion, they're really doing all the things that, you know, they say they're yeah. going to do. You know, how much easier is it just order the food at the airport? No, 100%. But you're sending someone on an extra stop so we could pick up food from a black-owned business or we cater food every day from a black-owned business and all eat lunch together because he said, you know, there was one hour of the day where you should sit in the conference room and talk to the people around you and not be lost on the phones. Absolutely. But these are things that are – you can't not talk positively because – Absolutely. You know, it's second to none. No, people – you know, people might think you're biased because uh, you work yeah, with them. of course. That, yeah. but no, I had no. to love the Lakers, but that was <laughs> – that's, that's funny. Well, it was easy to love the Warriors. So. <laughs> it was easy to love the – I was there when he was uh, part of the ownership group, yeah. so it was uh, – you know, a little bit of a different conversation that we're having in 2019 about That's it, but awesome. um, it was um, it was a it was a great time. Now, do you you ever go to Steph's house and does he split up the office of the fellas and like have them play pickup games? <laughs> no, um, <laughs> I felt like my bonus depended on that fadeaway. You know, every once yeah. in a while, like, I'm like, why why are we doing this? Is this a setup? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean checking the office hoop skills. I probably played basketball with him once and yeah. there's a there's probably a pretty uh virally successful video on his Instagram of him like it making me look really bad. Like I'm not that poor of a defender. But the way the video was cut, yeah. It just didn't tell the right story. But you know, you kind of kind of Yeah, yeah, it yeah, 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 was good. Yeah, it looked yeah, bad though. Post production came up on you. He got me really bad. So yeah. Good. Now that you put that out it's there. Interesting. So what do you have coming up next? So uh Breakthrough came out this yeah. year. That was a great movie. I went to go see it myself. Man, so uh thank you for uh, this, this I, the support. I did and I didn't even know uh it was part of unanimous media. Um but I watched the movie. I loved the movie. I thought the story was great. Yeah, Stefan executive produced the film. Yeah. And this was the first feature film. This is the first theatrical mm-hmm. release. And when Stefan got the script, the script was over 100 pages. And, mm-hmm. I mean, he read it within 48 hours. And, wow. you know, provided notes. Really had a really keen insight on why it resonated with him and why, mm-hmm. 
he felt like it was a it was a project we should get after and um, be a part of. Um. So and how do you vet these ideas? I mean, do you have a team that you put together that you oversee that kind of has different tentacles in different areas, and then you all come together or? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it comes. It definitely comes through the through the through the ecosystem, and then we have uh, we have our development meetings, and mm-hmm. in our development meetings, we go over the whole slate mm-hmm. and essentially provide staff with updates on how projects are doing, as well as any new projects we potentially wanna wanna get after, develop, produce, etc. And uh, that process is like very necessary. It's like really pertinent and vital to success of the company because, you know, there's nothing we do that Stefan doesn't get eyes on. At the end mm-hmm. of the day, this is a, this company is an extension of who he is mm-hmm. and was founded on kind of the principles of what he stands for. So And more partnerships than sponsorships. I think kind of the athletic sponsorship is yeah. hit or miss, but I think it's really about equity and teamwork. Yeah, no, you're, you're – It's definitely about equity. You know, there's uh, and teamwork. Correct there. No <laughs> partnerships is pertinent. Partnerships are pertinent. Um, I want to. I want to just interrupt a story. Uh, yeah. I was sitting down uh, with Snoop, and he was talking about when uh, Instagram started. Yeah. And uh, they came up to him and they said, "Hey, you know, we're just starting. We're a couple guys in a room. You have the most followers." Uh, would you take a percentage of the company to be the, n- to be the no spokesperson? Way. This can't be a real story. This is a real story, and. Uh, he was like, nah, nah, you know, I, you know, I, I don't know these things, you know, they're coming and going and I don't know if it's going to, you know, what, if it's coming or going, but, yeah. you know, and they were like, please, you know, please, they were begging him, they're contacting him and he says no. <laughs> and then Instagram hit and he said, I'm not, not taking equity <laughs> ever, <laughs> ever again. <laughs> Anything I do. You can't even move me without taking a piece after that. And you sit here and go, you really don't know, but... um, You never know. know. It's so much different, though, today than just, you know, holding up the can or something. You know, it's such a deeper relationship no for sure partnership is important right and you know everybody having an invested stake at the table and Mm -hmm. all being invested in the success and the viability of whatever you're you know you're getting after Mm -hmm. so no that's that is that is super important i mean we we at unanimous have a partner a very um a great strategic partner in in sony Mm -hmm. sony studios is that like you think that's key to the deal that's the superpower in some sense because you Content is king, but distribution's queen. You know, yeah, sense. no, for sure. The, I mean, that's pertinent, but I think even even more important is, you know, are, are the executives at Sony, right? And mm-hmm. the um, expertise and the knowledge that they bring to the table. We have excellent partners and the executives there that are really invested in what we're doing and really, you know, really help kind of guide our movements. That's that's incredibly helpful. Mm-hmm. Not Obviously not every single thing we do. You know, at Unanimous is with Sony Studios, but you know, as far as that kind of uh, people that are invested in your in your organization that are helping drive, grow, mm-hmm. and move you forward, you know, that's key. Yes, it's incredible. So, how, how does the NBA help athletes? Say, or do they support what you guys are doing and and kind of give uh, people and resources to assist it? Or how's the relationship with the league? Because the athletes now are their own media entities, truthfully, with all their followers and fans, the amount of hours they're on TV every day. So how does that work? Yeah, that's accurate. You know, I always say every athlete is a media company, to your point. And, you know, by definition, they create and disseminate mm-hmm. content and sometimes monetize it. So, yes, every athlete is a media company. At the same time, 
that does help grow the game, which I think is in the best interest of the NBA. I think even moreover, the NBA is one of the most innovative leagues out there, right? Mm-hmm. And part of that innovation strategy is media, is content. So I think it's just like a, a synergistic ecosystem, and one helps drive the other. Yeah. I love the tech summit I go every year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the NBA tech summit. Yeah. Dude, there are this. <laughs> There are a lot of people at that tech summit. That tech summit is the hottest thing <laughs> yeah, going. It's pretty, it's tenure, pretty incredible. It's the hardest ticket of the whole weekend. It is. It's harder than the dunk. It's harder than the game. The tech summit is tight. Yeah, for any you know NBA people that are listening, I want to go again next year. So yeah, I think you should happen? speak on stage. Oh man, no. Yeah, I mean, you know. Maybe one day. Maybe yeah. One day. No, we're we'll we're gonna we're gonna put in the request to the <laughs> okay. league. Um. So, how do you work closer or separate than you know Maverick and LeBron and KD and and his guy? Like, d- does everybody kind of operate together, or is it? Yeah. You know, is every or do you all operate differently as it relates to communication? Yeah. No, Maverick and LeBron, they're innovators. You know, Rich and KD have done some incredible things and. You even have some incredible things kind of forthcoming that are on the way. Mm-hmm. I've known Maverick for a while, known Rich, not as long as Maverick, but I've known Rich for a while as well. And those guys are incredible, man. They're yeah. doing, I think they're, you guys are the future of the whole pioneers. advertising and marketing. You know, we, we in Madison Ave, we always look at, like, who's working at the ad agency, who's working at the brands, who's working at the media company, right? Yeah, yeah. But when you look at the new future forward, it's yeah. really who's the CEO you know, who's partnered with the athlete yeah. who's building and has the more flexibility to create different ideas. Yeah. You know, yeah. Jay Brown and Jay Z, they're working together. Yeah. And Maverick and LeBron and you and Steph. And there's these pockets of all these amazing creative people that are really not in the big white ivory towers yeah. on Madison Ave or in LA. And I get that question a lot though, you know, about Maverick and mm-hmm. the better Maverick, Rich, KD, LeBron, the better they do, the, the it lifts all tides, yeah. you know, and it kind of kind of helps change perception and it helps drive innovation and drive change, which is incredibly helpful and I hope to collaborate with those with those yeah. guys soon. No, you're doing amazing things. So, do you want to just talk about any of your projects? Yeah, you let's got, do it. Uh, Emmanuel coming out. Emmanuel, June 17th. Um that's it's a documentary. It's about, you know, when an individual named Dylan Roof walked into a South Carolina um, historically black uh, church and, and uh, executes nine people. Mm-hmm. That's probably one of the most emotional projects. The trailer is, I watched it again this morning. The, the film, I mean, the film is even more, I mean, the trailer yeah. doesn't even. Oh, it doesn't even. You, you got to see the film. That song. So, but yeah, June 17th, that's the. Now that's only going to be in theaters two days, is that? Yeah, we're looking at trying to extend the theater run, but it's a documentary. So, Got it. So um, right now it'll be in the theaters for two days. That's that's uh, great. And then um, Lyft, Five Minutes From Home. Yeah. So that's, uh, Tell me about that. So that Lyft was... is our partner for Five Minutes From Home. They, they partner with us on season two. Five Minutes From Home is kind of a unanimous original series, and it's essentially, it essentially illustrates how Stefan is super versatile and, and can – Mm-hmm. You know, he resonates with all walks of life. So we wanted to kind of kind of bring that to kind of our digital slate and really kind of really show this versatility and the different types of people that mm-hmm. that you can kind of have this very intimate conversation with. So it's funny because you look at the juxtaposition of a Mayor Libby Shaft and a Nipsey Hussle and, and you know, R.I.P. to Nipsey Hussle. That's tragic. Um, can, can you believe he was in everybody? He was everybody's next batter up. Man. On every level, all the mediums, 
all around his wife. It, it was it was just incredible. It was right. It was right. Right, the next guy up, and he's another one. When we when we shot with Nipsey and having a have a chance to kind of get to know him and his team a little bit better, you you knew immediately Nipsey was special. Like mm-hmm. Nipsey was special, and I mean, that yeah, that one that's that's tragic, man. If I guess getting back to five minutes from home, we shot Nipsey and Mary Libby Schaff on the same day. Mm. They couldn't be more opposite, opposite, yeah. you know, yeah. individuals, personalities, characters. <laughs> But it's like Stefan doesn't miss a beat with either, you know. Mm. Five minutes from home is you know three act structure, and um, at the in the in the third act they kind of share share a meal at a at a food truck that changes every time. So mm. anyway, five minutes from home is cool. We'll come back with season three, you know, in next year's NBA season. Holy moly, that'll that's on ABC this summer. Mm. Um, Holy moly was uh, extreme putting. Extreme, it's like extreme miniature golf. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, with some. <laughs> this is a. Did you design the game? When I say this extreme, has to be fun. When I say extreme, it's like very, very extreme. Oh, like okay. Super extreme. Yeah. Yeah. It, no, it's super fun. Like, yeah. you know, it's something you could definitely watch with the family. Mm-hmm. You know, you. Our thesis at Unanimous is that we can use media as a vehicle to bring families together, mm-hmm. and this is definitely one of those projects that the family can sit together yeah. and watch and, and have a have a laugh together. We always say inspiration comes in many forms. Sometimes yep. it's through tears, like Emmanuel, or through laughter, mm-hmm. like Holy Moly. So it's <laughs> cool. Um, we have a project, a pilot coming with CBS that will announce shortly. We have we talked about Stefan versus the game, and uh, I'm trying to think what else. Ode is. to Oakland. Ode to Oakland. Yeah. So that's something that uh. It's, it's coming, right? Um, something uh, we are, uh, our team is now developing that we are really excited about. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the team is uh, is kind of transitioning to another area in, yep. in, in the Bay. But um, Stefan has lived in Stefan's lived in the East Bay for the last ten years, you know. And uh, we want to make sure we're doing something that's very Oakland mm-hmm. and honors honors the city. Yeah. Know? So really excited to kind of you you it deserves to, it to announce that this is the first time i think i've ever talked about it publicly okay. so you got the yeah. you got the exclusive wow we got the, the exclusive, you got the exclusive this so. is going down yeah, yeah it's going yeah. it's going down it's <laughs> you're my you're my guy now yeah, man yeah, you, now know, we you, gone. you got the heat yeah, so yeah, yeah we'll yeah, be a beauty good. in essex tonight we're yeah, ready for sure yeah let's do it <laughs> b and e don't over <laughs> whose card whose card <laughs> So uh, my last question would be uh, three years from now, what are you thinking? Uh, what would be your uh, ideal scenario? Or do you ever think that far down? Because the time goes by pretty fast. But uh, when you think about three years down the road. So I think about the company in three years and think about, you know, wh- how it's evolving. You know, you always have your 3YP, 5YP. I think the biggest thing I say and, like, the desire from uh, from the standpoint of, like, what things look like three years from now, I think it's really opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. There's one thing you kind of see out there is like there are a lot of talented people, but like you see the ecosystems make it very difficult to kind of break break through, you know, mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Across swim lanes? Yeah, you know, yeah. industry, swim lanes, whether, you know, for whatever you're passionate about. And um, obviously because of Stefan's platform, he's been able to experience and touch many different, you know, verticals and business sectors, et cetera. And I think the plan is to grow unanimous to to a point where we can continue to provide opportunities for talented individuals that are passionate about mm-hmm. their craft. And um, that's what I really see happening. Well, that's exciting. Yeah. So. Well, thank you for sitting down today. I love that you're a CEO. It's yeah. uh, 
it's great to see you and meet you and then also see what you're doing appreciate that. Uh, to help bring more inspiration and voice uh, to programming and content and uh, culture overall. So, Jaron, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Appreciate for stopping by the Disruptor uh, Series. Absolutely. All right, cool. All right, thanks. Thanks. You've been listening to the Disruptor Series podcast brought to you by TBWA Shite Day New York. Craving more disruption? Visit us at tbwashiteandy.com.